Fantastic. Well, please do take a seat, and a huge thanks again to uh, the choir, the orchestra, for leading us in our singing tonight and really lifting our hearts with those amazing tunes and amazing words we've been singing as well. So, Christmas. Only just over a week away now. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. He certainly is at the moment, isn't he? Family, of course, gathering around Christmas to share good wishes with each other. Carol singing, like this evening. Christmas does promise so much, doesn't it, of goodwill and of hope for a better world. It's no wonder Charles Dickens, his character Scrooge, who, if you remember the story, was a changed man after his encounters with the ghosts of Christmas past and present and future. Scrooge said at the end of A Christmas Carol, I will honour Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all year. But of course, you don't have to get very far into New Year, do you, before you realise that that's not actually quite so easy. Families famously, sadly, fall out over Christmas with the stress of seeing relations, of spending time together and of finances. Toys stop working after one day. And of course, after all the feasting, the bathroom scales don't lie, do they? And the exercise program kicks in. But actually, more seriously, despite all of the goodwill of Christmas, the optimism of a modern world equipped with science, with the human intellect... I think it's fair to say that the world is scarcely a better or fairer or safer place now than it was a year ago, or perhaps even a hundred years ago, is it? The poor still go to bed hungry around the world. Politicians still scheme. Difficult people perhaps make us feel anxious when we see them at work. And the environment, David Attenborough's warnings about the human impact on our world, still seem to fall on largely deaf ears. Well, Luke, who wrote those words of three of our readings this evening, was himself an educated man. He was a doctor. And he interviewed the eyewitnesses of the Jesus accounts, the original story of Jesus, including the births of John the Baptist and of Jesus that we've heard stories about tonight. Um, He wrote, Luke, to a world really very like our own. It was a world full of poverty, of injustice, of fear, of anxiety, and of oppression. A world longing for light in the darkness. But Luke claims that he's found something different, or rather better, someone different, that does hold the keys to all of our human longings. Our fourth reading from Zechariah was effectively a song. A song this this old man sang in his old age because God had given him and his equally old wife Elizabeth a child against all of the medical odds in their old age. And today, we would celebrate a birth, wouldn't we? A, a, A new child's birth by putting the picture on Facebook, by cracking open the champagne. But Zechariah literally writes a song, almost a poem, 
in really very grand language that we heard. Um, and you may have noticed as that fourth reading was read, although he's singing about the birth of his child, most of the song is actually about someone else altogether, about another child not quite born yet, the child Jesus, who's still in Mary's womb as Zechariah sings. John, Zechariah's son, John the Baptist to be, is only mentioned two-thirds of the way through the song and then only actually for a couple of lines. It's all about Jesus. Fascinating, isn't it? And here's our first lesson. Zechariah's telling us, look, if you want to understand the importance of my son John, you've first got to understand the importance of his relative, Jesus. And the first thing Zechariah's saying in his song, that, it, that he's telling us about God and about Jesus, is that here at Christmas is a God who rescues God who rescues. God's visited his people, he says. Now, when I visit Great Yarmouth, um, I, I pop on the seafront there and I look at the sea and I have an ice cream and I visit it. That's not what it means. God visits his people in the Bible, like when God visited the people of Israel, slaves in Egypt, and brought the plagues upon the Egyptians and led, them to, led the Israelites to freedom in the Promised Land. That's visiting on God's scale. So God visited Mary, we heard it in one of our readings, and by the Holy Spirit she conceives Jesus in her womb. God visits Bethlehem and angels start singing to the shepherds. God visits the world in the form of his son Jesus, who does remarkable things, teaches extraordinary wisdom, and then dies on the cross to defeat evil and rise again. Now that's God visiting He visits, says Zechariah. He redeems. To redeem in the Bible is to pay a price to buy back people or or a person who is a slave or is kidnapped. A ransom, we call it. Our carols use that word. Jesus, he says, will give his life as a ransom, a cost, a price, his own blood, to win us back for God. God rescues. He, he raises up a horn of salvation, as Zechariah's other phrase. Jesus rescues by being a horn of salvation. Now, horn of salvation makes you think maybe of a, a new Mr. Clipping recipe. A horn of puff pastry filled with cream. Not that kind of horn, is it? In the Bible, the horn, it's a sign of power, like the horns on a, on a mighty bull. He's a mighty saviour, a horn of of salvation. And in our own day, um, bombs are powerful, missiles, presidents are powerful, armies are powerful, but this king, says Zechariah, John's dad, is a mighty rescuer. He's mighty for good, to save people. Luke's going to go on in his gospel to tell us how Jesus defeats things like sickness, anxiety and fear, and ultimately on the cross, he'll defeat sin and evil and even death itself. He sets us free from our enemies, our greatest enemies. Christmas is about a mighty rescuer. And that is great news, isn't it? We may be afraid ourselves this, this season of what the new will bring. Perhaps people here are facing difficult medical diagnoses. What's the future hold? Or financial concerns. Or maybe just something, someone difficult that you've got to come back after New Year to face at work again. Jesus sets us free 
from all that we fear, all our enemies, even the greatest ones, sin and death. God has visited us, redeemed us, sent a mighty rescuer. But here's the second thing Zechariah says. God has also remembered. God remembers. He's faithful. God had promised his people centuries before that he would come to them and be their God and they would be his people. It was kind of a a special relationship of trust and commitment. And it was called his covenant. That was in one of our readings, his covenant. But in Zechariah's day, centuries later, God's people could be forgiven, couldn't they, for wondering, has God let us down? When is God going to come good on that promise? He seems pretty absent to us. We don't seem like we're special to him. We're living in oppression under the Romans. We suffer injustice and sickness. And Zechariah says, no, no, no. Because Jesus is about to be born, I now know that God does remember. God doesn't forget his promises. He says, from the house of his servant David, he has shown mercy to our ancestors, those that were promised this stuff. He's remembered his holy covenant to rescue us from our enemies, that we might serve him in holiness and righteousness. He's come good. He's done it. And of course, Jesus hasn't even been born yet, but he's so sure. God remembers. If lawyers had put together a kind of a a breach of promise document, a set of accusations against God for all the ways he'd broken his promises, they would now hear Zechariah's words and see Jesus' coming and see what Jesus then does, and they'd have to just tear up that whole document. God remembers. He is faithful to his promises. He promised to set us free, Zechariah says, Set us free, that is, not only from the things that we fear in life, but actually from the sin that holds us, that grabs our hearts inside, like it did with Adam and Eve in that first reading. Free from the separation from God that then came from it. But also free in order that we might live a new way and learn to love him and live with him as our God. God remembers and Again, if anyone in life or anything has ever let you down, hear Zechariah's assurance here that God can be trusted. God remembers all he's ever promised to us, his love, his mercy, his redemption, his hope, his future, and he keeps all of that in Christ. Notice, by the way, that this is classic Christian theology, Christian good news. The Christian message is not what we are often taught to think it is, that we somehow earn God's mercy from a very hard-to-please judge. It's all here, isn't it, what God has done. He has remembered his mercy. He has shown favor. He has kept his promise. He has sent a savior. So God remembers... God rescues, but last thing is this, God reveals. God reveals himself, in fact, to us. When we were in darkness, God shone a light that we might know him. And this is really where John the Baptist does come in. I promise we'll get to him, he's after all Zechariah's son. You see, Zechariah's also saying, as he turns to his son here and says, look, you, my child, you'll go before Jesus. You'll prepare the way. He's saying, 
Just as you can't understand John without understanding Jesus, as we've seen, John only matters because he points the way to Jesus. The reverse is also true. You can't understand Jesus if you don't understand John and listen to him. He's helping us. He's preparing the way to find Jesus. John says, uh, John's father says to him, this, this little child in his arms, you, my child, will prepare the way before Jesus. You will give God's people knowledge of salvation. It's a very personal idea there. It's like knowing a person. You'll know salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. John, you're going to prepare the way for Jesus. And isn't that great that God's not hiding from us? God's not making it difficult to find him, like a kind of cosmic game of hide and seek. Where are you, God? Please speak to me. God has come to us. He's sent Jesus, his son, and just in case we miss him, he sends John the Baptist to say, look, he's coming. The Savior's coming. Get ready for him. And if you read on in Luke's Gospel, uh, in chapter 3, if you've got a, a New Testament at home or a Gospel, that's just what John the Baptist does when he grows up. He points to Jesus. God is not hiding. God makes it plain. And he makes it plain in two ways. John, first of all, is going to say, uh, as, a, as a prophet later in life, look, you need a saviour because you've turned away from God. He's going to tell us, first of all, that we need saving. And then he's going to tell us how God's going to save us. I don't know if you're a cricket fan, if you're watching the Ashes kind of a bit painful if you're English, isn't it? Great if you're Australian. Any Australians here this evening? I'm sure you're enjoying it. But it's quite painful watching the, the poor old English cricketers. You know, they, um, they keep um, missing the mark, don't they? You know, the, um, the ball's skied in the air by an Australian batsman, and oh, you know, they've dropped it again. Or the English batsman hits for the boundary, and it, it sails in the air and falls short and lands in Australian hands again, safely caught. And that idea of, of missing the mark, falling short... That's the way the Bible talks about what we call sin. It's a short word, but all of that is in it. Whenever we fail to do the best that God's made us to do, whenever we fail to love as God calls us to love, that's what falling short short is, missing the mark, sin. And John is saying, Jesus is coming because you need your sins forgiving. You need a saviour. Whether you like it or whether you know it yet or not, we all fall short, and we all need a saviour. And the great thing is, John says, God's not going to leave it to you to save yourselves. He's not going to say, pull yourselves together, pull your moral socks up. He's going to say, Jesus is coming, and he's going to save you. The knowledge of salvation, remember? Through the forgiveness of sins. He's going to be a saviour for you. We've got a family tradition um, at home to watch the Queen's speech at some point on Christmas afternoon, maybe not live, but we certainly watch it. We sit down and we all switch on and watch the TV. And a couple of years ago, you may remember, she said a wonderful thing. She said, God could have sent the world a general or a politician or a scientist or even a doctor. But he didn't. God sent a saviour with the power to forgive. And she was simply echoing there the historical records of the Gospels about what was said about Jesus before his birth, what he said about himself, and what Christians have believed about him ever since. God sent a saviour 
to forgive our sins. And so that forgiveness could then spread through us. It's a very human thing to think, I don't need God to rescue me, I can do it myself. It's a very human thing, I I see it in myself. I can find my own way, I don't need his help. But we do need God's help. We do need God to reveal, first that we need a saviour, and then who that saviour is, the Lord Jesus. John reveals the path to peace, the way to forgiveness. Jesus, the rising sun, as Zechariah calls him, shining light on our darkness, opening the path back to God. Just imagine there are three men in the doctor's waiting room, and the doctor emerges with the bad news that each of them have serious and terminal illnesses. And the three react in very different ways. The first one leaps up in anger and says, how dare you ruin my, my day in this way? I'm going to walk out. And he just storms out of the surgery. Doesn't want to hear it. The second one's a, a bit calm. And he says, look, doctor, you know, thanks for that. But actually, I came here to be made to feel better. You know, kind of emotionally, you're just pulling me down here with this bad news. I really haven't come here for that. And, and he walks out too. And then the third one stands up and says, Doctor, you know, this is really hard to take, but thank you. I need to know the truth. But my only question is this. Is there something you can do to save me? And that is what John the Baptist does as he grows up and points the way to Jesus later in life. And Zechariah knows this. He says, you, my child, will go before Jesus, and you'll bring people, okay, the bad news, the honest news, that our hearts need to be renewed by God and forgiven. But, he says, you'll also point the way to salvation. That there is an answer. There's a cure for the human heart. And it's Jesus. John is saying, as he grows up, you're looking for a saviour, you're looking for a new world, well, good news. Just wait around a bit longer, because someone's coming after me, and he's going to rescue you. He's God's saviour. That's Jesus. God reveals the way through John, especially through Jesus, from darkness to light, from death to life. So maybe as I finish, someone here, you're realizing, aren't you, as you listen to these readings and these words, that God's in some way, wonderfully, almost unnoticed, been beginning to speak to you. Beginning to just shine light into your life and point you towards himself. To say, look, look, you do need me, but I do love you, and I've sent Jesus for you. Here is the way back to me. It could be that you've heard it through John's words or through the gospel reading tonight. Maybe the person that brought you tonight has been an influence that's helped you to begin to find the way. Whatever it is, I would just encourage you, because God is a God that loves to help us to find him, to reveal himself. Keep looking. He says, if you seek, you will find Keep looking. Keep coming along. We're here every Sunday. um, And your service sheets have uh, in the middle and on the back pages details of when our services are over the next couple of weeks. Join our welcome course in January if you want to kind of get more involved in us. But to keep searching, two particular things you could do tonight. One is pick up a copy of this little green book from us called Christmas Playlist. Because what this little book does, it's only, what, 50 pages long. He looks at these readings from Luke's Gospel including the one we've looked at tonight from Zechariah, these songs, and he helps us understand how we can find Jesus through them. And then second, inside, 
you'll find an invitation to our Discover course, which will be starting in February. And this is just a very informal place where anyone can come along, whether you believe any of this stuff or not, bring your questions, see if we can help you find some answers. Search for Jesus, for God together. And that's absolutely free. There's an evening course and also, alternatively, a morning course, if that's an easier time for you. It's all on that flyer. Ask us for that at the door. You see, God rescues, doesn't he? A mighty rescue has come. He remembers his promises. He can be trusted with all the big things in life. But most of all, we need Jesus, our saviour. And we need him to reveal himself for us. Let's be still and let me lead us in a short prayer before we sing again. So we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are a God of love and mercy, longing that we might find your Saviour Jesus, and so find you. Thank you for this service tonight, for the songs, the music, the words, the quiet, the prayers. Speak to us in the stillness. Speak to us through the gospel writings we've heard. And as we seek, as you promise, may we find. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.